That music is an invitation, an invitation to sit up and join me as we look into God's Word. This isn't your parents' Bible study or some pre-printed material from your denomination. Each episode, we tear into God's letter to humanity to see what would God have us know about Himself, about the world around us, and about ourselves. I am Brother Mitchell from the Discipleship Center, and you are listening to the TDC Podcast. Now that we're done with the introduction to Romans, we're going to move on to when God gives up. We'll start by reading Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18 down through the rest of the chapter. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So starting in this new section, we see that the Gentile world is guilty. We just read about this through 18 through 32. But verse 18 through 20 shows that they have been given intelligence. The wrath of God is anger produced by the constant agitation of the mind over actions performed continually by the ungodly people here on earth. It's not that men are basically innocent, as proposed by men like John Jacques Rousseau or Carl Rogers and those who hold a humanistic approach, but rather mankind is totally depraved, and they know exactly the wrongs that they're doing. While only special revelation of Jesus leads to salvation, general revelation is all around us, pointing us back to God as our creator from the minutest details of a cell to the structure of an atom, to the incalculable enormity of space. 
God's handiwork shows that these things we see all around us cannot have happened by random chance or come into existence from nothingness outside of God's great power. Now, while many atheists, or rather God deniers, would claim that there's no such proof, many of these poor souls have been trapped inside the cement jungles of the inner cities all their lives, where pitiful trees grow in oversized flower pots and the sky is blotted out with buildings and pollution. There's no grass and flowering meadows. There's no rolling hills. There's no bountiful crop in the fields. No streams, no lakes, no mountains. Just the ugly blight of concrete and steel and glass standing as monuments to men on how efficiently we can stack the masses of humanity on top of each other. And now while I could almost have pity on the unbeliever for never seeing the grandness of God's creation, there is still another place where God's creation is clearly seen, and that's in the life of a newborn child. In the birth of a baby, we can see something amazing at work. While biology can explain the reproductive system and the growth of cells as the child is formed, no one can explain where life comes from. Even in this amazing display of God's handiwork, men look to deny or destroy the simplest of God's testaments to himself. In such a simple thing as the birth of a child, what can be known about God is suppressed by mankind who deny that life exists before birth. Using pretty words like the rights of the choice of the woman and cloud the truth of murder with medical terms like abortion or termination. While we may not be able to prevent the evil that's around us, man is accountable to God for the actions they know are wrong and the truth that is inside each of us. Going on to verse 21 through 23, they are willfully ignorant. As we saw in part one, man knows God and is without excuse based on what has been revealed through creation. And while this knowledge about God is not enough to save man, it is enough to turn man towards God or condemn those who deny God. Since the God deniers have refused to honor God or give thanks to what he has given, they've created all kinds of explanations for what they see around them and have filled their minds and hearts with their new science fiction meta-narratives. We see it all around us, but especially on the state-funded college campuses. Young adults who have accepted the theory of evolution for a fact without examining any evidence around them, are definitely exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And now while this may seem over the top, consider the following. Each year, 10% of college-age women become pregnant, according to the Guttmacher Institute, a research organization founded by Planned Parenthood. Women 18 to 24 account for 44.4% of all abortions, and 74% of women who have abortions say that having a baby would interfere with work, school, or other responsibilities. Is the new final solution to kill all those that make our life inconvenient? Kind of sounds like another final solution that was enacted in 1941 with the murder of at least 6 million inconvenient Jews. But notice also, these women weren't confused. They didn't go to Planned Parenthood because they thought they had a tumor or some disease, they knew that if they continued on the path that they were on, a baby was going to be born, so they killed it. Now, while these anti-God college students find it acceptable to kill an inconvenient baby, they find the following things very much intolerable, like the whaling industry, killing seals, hunting deer, guns, Donald Trump, being told no, work for welfare benefits, immigration reform, a polar ice cap in a state of flux, 
and finding out that global warming was misrepresented for political gain. Why are all these things so intolerable if the students have no issue with the murder of an innocent child? Well, because they worship mortal men. Men like Al Gore, Richard Dawkins, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the late Stephen Hawking, Rachel Maddow, and John Stewart. They worship the created earth and the animals in it. Most interestingly, though, they worship their own mind in that they can't conceive that somehow they've misplaced their trust in the philosophers of this day who pass on their delusions and wrong assumptions on as science. While we can observe things like microevolution, the change within a species, cyclical climate changes, and even the extinction of species, what we cannot observe is time. There is no way to put time in a test tube and observe it. If we project what we know is happening right now upon the past and add in some wrong assumptions like billions of years and rates of change being the same as they are today, well then we can extrude a fictional past instead of looking at the only reliable record of our past which is found in the Bible. To make matters worse, when there are cracks in the philosophies of man and their meta-narratives break down, they try to prop up their theories with magical terms like quantum mechanics and string theory neither of which are helpful in explaining time or history. While there is enough evidence pointing towards God, the rebellious heart of man refuses to acknowledge him and will continue to conjure up anything else to satisfy his intellectual pursuits, and he will ridicule any of those who disagree with their false premises. Verses 24 through 32, we see that they indulge their wickedness, and they have an impenitent heart or an unrepentant heart. There comes a time in people's lives when they have thoroughly convinced themselves of the lies they've been told and continue to tell themselves, where even the blatant truth in front of them is not enough to change their minds. Of course, from God's sovereign point of view, that's where each of us was at on our way towards becoming, and without the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we would have remained like that. God's wrath at this point in time is not by sending lightning down to strike dead every unbeliever, but rather he lets people destroy themselves by letting their own sinful desires take over every aspect of their life. I find it interesting that the first way God gives people up is in their unbridled sexual impurity. While homosexuality and lesbianism are two sexual sins mentioned here, this can be extended to all immorality, such as adultery, transgenderism, pedophilia, bestiality, and the whole gender identity confusion that is so popular today. For any who claim to be a Christian and approve of these sins, you have deceived yourself. You're not a follower of Jesus, and you're still an enemy of God. While we should still love the people who practice these sins, we must continue to present to them the gospel, because by their continual lifestyle they show they're not yet children of God. The second thought in this section is that unbelievers have been given a debased mind to continue to sin and justify their sins. There's a long list here of sins that we can find grievous to sins that we don't think much about at all. Finally, the statement is that the people that know that they deserve death because of their actions, and they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them as well. The approval of those around you should never be a justification for something that is clearly a sin even if those giving you the approval happen to be in the same church building as you are. Satan loves to have you justify sin, whether it's through an anti-biblical preacher, unsaved churchgoers, your psychologist, your lawyer, your co-workers, or even just your own imagination. When people say that God has given them peace to 
and you can insert whatever your favorite sin is here. I say that they have never heard God's voice by reading the Bible and have never experienced God's peace. Only the heat of a seared conscience that assuages guilt, but leaves them just as condemned as the day they were born. The Discipleship Center and its subsidiaries, TDC Aquaponics and TDC Farm, are a registered 501c3 charity serving in the not-so-beautiful city of Kekakee and its surroundings. Have you or a loved one been struggling with substance abuse, chronic unemployment, need some work experience after a recent incarceration, or just failed to move on to a more productive phase of life? There is hope just around the corner with the Discipleship Center, where every life matters and we strive to fulfill the Great Commission one life at a time. Check us out on the web at www.discipleshipctr.org today.